to chat some Toronto Blue Jays with our pal Tim Leeper, former Blue Jays coach, who joins us on the program today. Tim, how are you today, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for uh, taking some time out of your day to chat with us again. Uh, always appreciate the conversations. Uh, what are those back-to-backs like, I guess, uh, would be where I'd start with you today. When, you know, you have a tough one to start, everything kind of gets thrown in a, a blender with the pitching, and then you've got to come back a couple hours later and, and bring out, a, you know, your best performance to try to pick up a win. They're really tough. I, I, can, I can remember in my time there, I think we probably only did that three times. They were all kind of memorable. Um, and, and, you know, yesterday, obviously, in the heat of the pennant race, I think the, the closest one we had back in 15 and 16 is, I think at the very end of August, we had a, a day-night doubleheader on a Saturday in, in Yankee Stadium, which we won both games, and it was huge. But, like, the drama for yesterday, I thought, was get it set up so great the night before with, the, you, know, the, you know, the staffs kind of yelling at each other and knowing, like, Manoa was going to go in that first game. I, I just thought it was such a great uh, great theater right there. And then, obviously, you get sick in the middle of the night and all those things happen. But it all, as it turns out, it's, it was still a good day. But those, those, those doubleheaders are tough. I, I think the other one was uh, we were in Washington in, in 15, and then it, we had a big rainstorm in, in between games. And, and at, at the time, we thought we were going to get fired. And Kevin Pillar hit a couple home runs off Max Scherzer to win the nightcap. And, you know, that was one. And I, and I think the, other, the only other one we had was in Minnesota. And I remember that one because it was the coldest day of my life, <laughs> you know, being out there in the snow. For, for like 14 hours, it seemed like. But yesterday was great, and I, I thought it was it was nice to get the split, and that was it was a big big game for them. I wanted to ask you about the guy that uh, we just heard on that home run call there, and George Springer. And I think aside from the injuries, Tim, on the outside looking on this Blue Jays team, when he's out there, I can't think of a guy that's been more consistent and more of a leader for the Blue Jays. It feels like he's kind of filled in that role exactly how they hoped when they signed him to that massive deal a couple years ago. Yeah, and it's just scary to think what, what they would be doing if he stayed healthy. I, I really believe, you know, except for the fact that Bo has just taken over the game here in the mm-hmm. last two weeks, um, Springer's the catalyst for your offense, and, and his health is, is huge. You know, especially now with Guriel being down, like you really need him out here. But I always think with him at the top of the order, it kind of makes your offense go a little bit better. And even though, you know, the lower half of the lineup kind of like varies between like Bo gets hot and then he's not and Vladdy gets hot and then he's not. And not everybody's really come together. I always think Springer's like the one consistent piece at that top of the lineup that makes your team really, really good. And, and just having him in the lineup, it always seems to make something good happen. How important is it to have the right leadoff guy on a, on a, road, on a you know, a lineup and a batting order? Because I, I feel like it sets the club up for success and it's not just that he has all those leadoff home runs but it's probably the pitches he sees what he's getting from the pitcher you know his ability to get on base is is that kind of the stuff that you're looking for out of your your leadoff guy yeah yeah it's great you know baseball that's the one thing that's kind of gone away is that great leadoff guy that they used to be and they're not there but you know when you have a guy like him and, and there's a few others in the game but when that first at bat makes the pitcher really grind on what he needs to throw and realizes if he makes a mistake, this guy can do damage. That just the, even the the tone it sets for you on the bench watching the guy have the at bat, like you feel confident and you feel like you're in charge. I know, like going back to our teams, you know, getting Ben Revere. Well, we had Jose Reyes who was a great offensive player, and you always felt like from the first pitch of the game something good could happen. And then when he left, we got Ben Revere, and he was kind of a catalyst for those games. And we didn't really have a guy after that. I mean, I think we let off Ezekiel Carrera, I think, in the playoffs back in '16. But having that guy who's a force, who's a threat, who can do something with his first swing of the bat and the pressure it puts on the other team, like that's super invaluable, and you're really lucky to have a guy like that. 
You mentioned his name a little bit earlier, and uh, this has you know, probably been one of the biggest reasons for this Jays hot streak of late. It's been Bo Bichette. He's a guy that we've talked about throughout the year with you. It's been up and down for Bo at times, but you're really starting to see the kind of player that the Blue Jays you know, are getting with Bo Bichette the last couple of weeks here. It was, it was funny in the last few weeks. It's it's gone. It he was gone from the worst player in baseball to literally <laughs> the very best player in baseball. But I think I've said, been consistent with this. I mean, the one thing with him is is he is a little bit streaky, and like you don't. There's a lot of things that kind of go into that. I think lately he's just kind of said he's kept it a lot more simple and kind of gone back to his roots, to his basics, which when everybody gets back to being good, that always kind of seems to be their their falling point. But when you when you look at a guy like him. I think it's hard to judge. I mean, you start judging him in 100, 100 at bats here or 80 at bats here, like it's tough. But you always look up at the end of the end of the year, and like the good players are going to progress to the to where they're supposed to be, or or players that are playing like really good kind of degress to where they're supposed to be. So it's funny because with all this emotion we ride over him, you're going to look at the end of the year. Uh, probably in like two months, you're like, boy, this guy had a really good year. There was, there was, that's pretty easy. <laughs> but he, he, he's just a guy. Like when, when he, it's good, you can see what he does. I mean, he had this year a couple years ago where he, he kind of ran, did this the whole season. But what he's doing right now in the middle of a pennant race, and he's carry, he's literally, you know, he's pretty much carrying a team right now. It's impressive to watch. And even that last out in the first game yesterday was an 11 pitch at bat in a really big situation. And like, that stuff doesn't happen. This guy is just absolutely in the zone right now. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember all the talks we've had with you about, you know, the ups and downs of his season. And when you look at it right now, he probably winds up pretty close to a 30 home run guy and a hundred RBI, hundred RBI guy, excuse me, by the time it's all said and done. And I guess you don't really care how you get there, Tim, at the end of the year, you're going to be pretty happy with that stat line. Yeah, you'll be good. And again, from a team standpoint too, like, you, you just got to get in and what they're doing right now, like for him to get hot, and, you know, they've gone from like kind of being on, you know, going either way from being, you know, not in the wild card or in the wild card. And now to be at top of the wild card leaderboard, like that's a really nice thing. And that's important. You know, it's important that you feel like you're going to get in the playoffs, but like when you start looking at it right now and, and you can actually host that, that wild card series, like that, that's a really big deal. And they position themselves really nice. And obviously he's been the biggest, him and Manoa have been the absolute biggest parts on that in, in terms of, uh, you know, putting him in that spot. Can you remember uh, in your career with the Blue Jays or even any time you're in baseball, Tim, seeing this many divisional games down the stretch into the month of September? We've still got two games left in this series with the Rays. They'll see the Orioles again, who they just saw last week. And then you've got, you know, four more in Tampa next week. I mean, it's incredible to think how much of this division is going to be decided and playoff, you know, races are going to be decided in the next couple of games here. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty neat. You know, you know what? It, I, I actually kind of like it. I wish it was a little bit more spread out. I wish the Yankees and Red Sox were involved in, in all those amount of games. But I'm figuring because of the lockout, and then it, you you also stay in division early in the season, so they had to make up those games somehow. And I guess they got thrown in here in the back. So you know, it's been a, it's been a weird year, a couple years with the COVID, and then with the lockout this year. But I kind of like when the teams that you're up against in your division, you're playing each other down the stretch. So it's actually pretty cool. It could be a little more balanced out, but but I like it. And the other thing is, though, like when you look at the wild card races, they've kind of turned into duds. Like like you know, this whole push that there's going to be multiple teams going for it, you know, late in the season. It's like it's, the teams on the outside looking in right now are really on the outside. So I think in the next few weeks, you're just kind of looking for positioning, and and, and you want to win as many games, like I said, because you want to host that uh, wild card series for sure.
Uh, we're chatting with former Blue Jays coach uh, Tim Leeper here on Sportsnet today uh, after the Jays pick up a big 7-2 win to finish off a doubleheader last night against the Tampa Rays. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier just in passing, but Alec Manoa is as unique a player as I, I can remember in the last couple of years, Tim. And I'm sure even when you look at him, I mean, pitchers aren't supposed to progress to the level that Alec has so fast. I don't think in any of the Jays scouting meetings or, you know, going back to the draft meetings that they had about him, did they ever expect he would get to this level this fast? It really is remarkable for the young man to step up in big moments like he has at such a young age. And it's hard to believe he's in his second year, really. I know. I just, it's, it it's really is, eh? <laughs> so incredible. It's unreal. And, you know, you think, okay, is it going to let – you know, we had two good ones with Stroman and Sanchez that came in with us, and they kind of they kind of hit the ground like this a little bit too. But, like, they were a little bit more expected. Like, you knew Manoa was good, but, like, to take the dominance that he takes right now and to manage his emotion the way he has. I, I really thought the game he pitched two games ago – uh, when, when again the game before the Orioles got a little bit lippy mm-hmm. uh, and he wanted to go out and he he handled himself so professionally he didn't play to that card he, he he knew he was a better pitcher he knew he could go out and win and he went out and just took care of business and it's 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 it, there's obviously the record and the stats speak for themselves but it's the level of maturity he has in pitching these big games and then handling himself completely the right way too you know he's gone into Yankee Stadium into some really big games and, and went out there and shoved and he's and he you know he went out there sick yesterday it's so hard not to love this guy everything he does is great and I, I think I was on radio in Toronto the other day and he's talking about like you know there's guys like we had Stroman who went out and really you know he irritated the other team just because of the way he was but you know in the in your clubhouse you knew this guy was prepared he was going to compete he was going to win and it was awesome but the other teams hate him i think with Manoa, you really want to go out and beat him because you know he's so good but you you don't you don't look at him with hate <laughs> you actually probably kind of like him you still want to beat his ass but but at the same time you're like this guy really handles his business the right way he does he does everything good so he's a likable guy and it's really impressive to watch him go through what he's going through right now is there any question in your mind that he would be the one to get a game one start in the playoffs for the Jays? I got asked that question two weeks ago. I said it wasn't a bad answer to have him or Gosman. Like, like I, that's a win-win. But yeah. like with what he's done lately, like, like these, that's it's a great that's a great conundrum to have that either one of those two guys. But like, if I'm game one right now and I'm the Blue Jays, like he's he's my he's the guy I would like to set up for game one and then have Gosman go on the back end. That's pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good way to go into the playoffs with those two guys at the top. How important is uh, has a guy like Whit Merrifield been? It's funny we I remember having the conversation not long after the trade deadline with you, and you we were sort of talking about Jackie Bradley Jr. and Whit Merrifield, and now you never know when injuries are going to come up. But you know, Lourdes is on the uh, injured list right now, and now you've got these two versatile guys that John Schneider has at his disposal to you know really work the outfield however best works out for them and whatever they need from a hitting standpoint. It seems like it's a good option to have in your hand if you're. John Schneider to have these two experienced outfielders, and I mean, hey, Merrifield can play the infield if he needs to. Yeah, you know, and it's it's and the bat's going to be the big thing. I mean, and and obviously Jackie's the better defensive outfielder, you know, but but Merrifield can go out there, and you know, I think the Guriel injury is not great. I hopefully he gets back because he's a big force in their lineup. But yeah, those depth pieces are kind of like the key to what's going on, and. I'm sure for, for Merrifield, it's been a tough transition because he's gone from an everyday player at second base and, and playing a little bit of outfield. But, like, the, the guy 
even he said he hasn't really earned the right to play every day, so he has to kind of take this role and he has to learn it for like for the first time in his career. I'm sure he's never done this in his life. So for the fact that he went out and had a good day yesterday, hit a home run, felt like he contributed to something, like that's a good thing. And he's going to get a few more chances here. Again, that 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 injury to Guriel is going to open up a few more spots. And you know, with, with, for Schneider, it is great because you know usually you're, when you lose a guy like Guriel, like that's a tough guy to replace. But at least you got you know you got a chance to move Teoscar around a little bit. You got a chance to get Merrifield some more big at bats and. You know, all those things, all the playing time they're going to get are going to are going to be big when they get into the playoffs and, you know, games start getting a little bit crazy. You want everybody to be at their best, and, and like, this is affording them the opportunity to be able to do that. I uh, wanted to ask you a, qu- a couple of questions around the league and just sort of get your feel on them. Uh, how impressed are you with what Aaron Judge is doing in New York this season? Uh, that series against New York coming up in a couple of weeks here could have some pretty historical significance for Judge if he keeps hitting home runs at this pace. It's, uh, it's amazing. He's doing everything. He has always been the, like the most impressive like guy to watch. And, you know, I got a chance to see him from his rookie year when it wasn't so good to, to where he matured in New York and just to watch him with the ease in his day and the way he handled himself in the stadium. I'm sure with, with so many, you know, so much pressure on him. Like it's awesome. And he's a good guy and it's, it's so awesome. It's so awesome to see what he's doing. And in a, in a free agent year too, but like he's, when you see guys, that are like making the game look easy. Like Bichette's doing it right now. Trout does it every day of his life. And then to see what Judge is doing to a baseball right now, it's awesome. And it's almost like he's chasing the 61 again. You know, I don't know what you guys think, but like, yeah, I know the Bonds had the 70 and there's there some other big, some big home run numbers there. But like for him to get 61 in this day and age would be really something. And I'll tell you what, it's been fun to watch. And, you know, every day you see the highlights, like it's, it's really impressive. And the other guy who's been in the game every day of my life, I still love watching it. Yeah, and it's and it's something too, and I'm sure you can speak to this with your experience, you know, uh, across the diamond from them. But you know, to sort of say no, like he did to the Yankees, and say, look, I'm going to bet on myself and show you guys that I'm I'm worth everything I was asking for in the summer. And look, if it's going to happen, you guys are going to have to pay up. I mean, that's not a, an easy thing to do. I know it's not saying no. To, to George Steinbrenner like it used to be in the day, Tim. But, I mean, that's still a pretty, you know, ballsy thing for a guy to do to say no to the New York Yankees. Yeah, and I, you know what? There's something that, you know, and again, the, the, the cynical people will say, well, you turned down a lot of money. <clears throat> How can you do that? But, like, the, the, the competitor in me loves these guys that go out and bet on themselves a little bit. And, and you've seen tons of cases where it works and other, others that it doesn't. But, like, to do what he did and then go out and put up the numbers that he did, like, it, it's – it's, again, I love the theater of baseball. I mean, he's putting all the pressure on the Yankees to uh, to re-sign him, and he's made it as hard he's made it as hard on them as, as he possibly can. But it's a good thing. I hope he ends up a giant, but, but that remains <laughs> that remains to be seen. Uh, speaking of uh, home run races, maybe this is one that uh, Aaron Judge gets in on late in his career. But how about what Albert Pujols is doing, and how cool would it be to see him get to 700 in his final MLB season? It would it would be it would be great, and the fact that he's doing it after he even announced that uh, he he was not going to come back, it, and he's he's one of the, again he talked about the other three guys, Bichette and uh, and Judge and Trout, but like Pujols has been there over the last month as well, and then it again it just shows what experience can bring you and you know he doesn't move around but he has great feel for his body he works really hard and, and like it's a great story and the Cardinals are playing good and you know for him you know after a couple rough years at Anaheim and you know I think the Dodgers experience was actually really good for him even though he didn't play much but to see a guy who's given so much to the game who was so good for so long and, and carried a city it's really neat to see him go back to St. Louis 
and do this and then finish the way he's finishing. Like it's just, he's just solidifying his legacy and, and, and it couldn't happen to a better guy too. Uh, just a couple more for you, Tim. Uh, the big news out of baseball the last week or so has been uh, the you know number of rule changes that we're going to see next year. The pitch clock's the big one. We're talking about bigger bases coming in and now eliminating the shift. I, I guess just sort of go through those with me and, and give me your, your thoughts on what the, the rules committee has come up with and the changes we'll see in baseball next year. Well, it's great because I've got to see all these things uh, take place this year in, in my travels with the Giants, you know, traveling around the minor league. So the, the bases, like, like, again, everyone hates change. Everyone hates these things. And, again, I know the players talked about how they, how they made some good things and they weren't really included much on the, on the final say. But, but in terms of the actual playing thing, with the, the bases, are, I actually have grown to really like them. Um, they're just big. They're safer. They're lower to the ground. It's a little bit of an adjustment, but like as a fan, you won't notice anything, and it's the same. I, I will say the shift thing has been it will be really good for left-handed hitters. It'll open up a lot more hits. Um, I, I think again, everyone's complaining about that right now, and I wish that we had seen a time in baseball where left-handed hitters had learned to go the other way more. And not try to hit home runs all the time, but but that being said, it's going to be nice when they can hit ground balls up the middle. Now and they're going to be base hits again, and I think it's going to add a lot more to the game. And you see it a lot more down here. The pitch clock's the biggest thing, and I'm a little bit torn on it because it's in, sometimes it moves really quick. And there there was a game a couple of weeks ago where Gerald Romano was, was was facing the Red Sox, and whoever was up at bat was 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 up there. And he stepped out of the box to collect himself, and Jordan collected himself, and they, were, they had their head down, and they both took a deep breath at the same time, and, they, and the hitter got into the box, and Jordan stepped on the mound at the same time. Like, you're going to miss those things. Those mm-hmm. are things late in the game that are drama, especially when you're watching in the postseason. That stuff's great, and that extra time is, like, really good. And you're going to be missing those kind of things. So, like, with the pitch clock, it's going to be great because the game's going to move along quicker, but, like, at the same time, at the end of games – when you have that drama and those things like that, you're going to miss that. And then I think the part of me that really loves baseball is going to miss those things. So I think, you know, I think they're right on moving the thing. The game have to, has to move at a quicker pace, but uh, you know, I think the important thing is in all these things, you just want to keep the game the way it is. Cause there's a lot of good things about the game. And I, and I don't think they're going too far with this stuff, but you know, it's something the bears bears watching for sure. Yeah. It was funny watching the start of that Jays game yesterday with Manoa and Kirk having problems with the, the pitch calm thing, and the first thing that came to my head was not, oh, I wonder who's having problems with it. The first thing I honestly thought yesterday, Tim, was, was man, how are they going to handle that next year? Is the ump just going <laughs> to say, hey, look, we're, we're on a pitch clock. It's on the Jays to have this right ahead of it, and you got your 15 seconds to figure it out. And if you're the other team, you're probably sitting there saying, yeah, hey, figure it out. You've got your pitch clock. Let's go. It's just one of those little things in baseball that, you know, all of a sudden next year we're going to have to figure these things out. Yeah, I will say this is pitchcom thing. I totally in love with it. I've, I, our uh, low A team was using it the last few weeks, and uh, it just it makes the game move really quick yeah. and it eliminates the stein stealing. Like like that part's really really cool. So I, I think if you have problems with the headsets and all those things, I guess you can call timeout and you're going to have to go back to traditional things. But like at the same time, like it, that part really moves the game along a little bit too. So that kind of makes up for the you know the, the short time in between pitches. But I really really love that pitchcom thing. Yeah, are you surprised how long it took for that sort of thing to come into to majors after all the – I'm sure you've heard it from a coaching perspective, you know, a thousand times the guy's picking up signs at second base or we've heard of the guy in, you know, in white in Toronto for years that that was always a big thing. And, you know, <laughs> are you surprised that it took this long for us to kind of come up with something like that in baseball? 
I'm kind of glad they have. I mean, I spent the last two years of my career in, in uh, the last year and a half watching the Red Sox, never watching the actual game, but watching them to know how they knew a pitch was coming. Like, mm-hmm. like and when you, when you're on the field and that's your main area of focus, like it took a lot of the fun out of it, you know? And, you know, I, I, I just like, I like that part of it. Cause it's got, we've gotten out of hand and obviously the thing with the Astros and, you know, that was, that's bad. It obviously the, we've talked about that forever, but that, that, that can't, stuff can't happen. It shouldn't happen. It was wrong. And, and you don't want to see that happen. So if there's any way to try to eliminate that. Like that's huge. I, I think, the more we just let the baseball players get on the field and play the game, we don't let people come into the dugout, bringing stats in between. Like everyone should have the time to prepare for the game. And I think when the game starts, you should just go out and play the game the way the game's supposed to be. And I think it'll bring out a better product and it's, and it's, it's a much better game. And any, any steps we can take to do that, like that's, I think that's a big plus for us. Tim, thanks for the time today. As always, man, I really appreciate these chats with you. They've been great this season. I uh, can't wait to do it again in a couple weeks time. Hey, uh, anytime, anytime. I always enjoy coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tim. There you go, Tim Leeper. Week two of the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night with a great AFC West matchup between the Chargers and the Chiefs. And while week two of NFL football gets underway on the field, it also means that all the armchair quarterbacks and fantasy football GMs prepare for another week as well. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. This is uh, Logan Gordon along with you. Here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and to help get you set for week two of the NFL season. When it comes to fantasy football, we welcome in our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara, joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you, pal? Good, Logan. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Looking forward to what should be a great game tomorrow between the uh, Chargers and the Chiefs. Oh, man. I'm so pumped for this. This is what we were waiting for when all the offseason moves happen with this AFC West. Really sink our teeth into one and this is juicy right like now there's no keenan allen for the Chargers officially ruled out today so if you're a keenan allen owner your fantasy league i got some tips for you we'll talk about later on but prepare accordingly to that but regardless uh i think this is just going to be a fun sit back and watch the fireworks here's your uh your i guess couple minute warning out uh ask andy's going to happen in just a couple of moments here on Sportsnet 960. So get your questions in to 960-960. The fan feedback line open for your questions. If you need some fantasy football advice ahead of week two in the NFL season, get your questions in now. This always fills up fast. We'll only be able to get to a handful of questions during the segment. So if you have questions for Andy McNamara ahead of week two of the NFL season kicking off in fantasy football, Make sure you get them in right now. Andy McNamara, Ask Andy coming up in just a couple of moments. Let's talk. You mentioned Keenan Allen there, Andy. That's a big one for tomorrow night as well. Let's get to some of the injuries uh, around the league that might be affecting some people's fantasy rosters. Uh, The only one of note that I've seen on the Chiefs is that uh, Harrison Butker has been ruled out as well. They'll be going with a different kicker. Yeah, Matt Amendola, who played for the Chiefs a little bit, and so... Uh, you know, when it comes to, to kickers, it's you check the waiver wire, you try to take the best available. The Amendola coming off cold. Kickers are weird, right? Because you could have a guy come out who's been cold, be awesome, or he could be absolutely terrible. It seems like it's really in flux when it comes to that. So, uh, you know what? Let's, let's actually look at because we don't get a chance to talk about kickers that often because usually people set and forget. So, you know, uh, one guy who is still widely available, and I'm surprised because he got – Special Teams Player of the Week, my guy from the Cleveland Browns, Cade York, Duke of York there, Logan. 
58 yarder ice blood in his veins when he won that game. He's playing the New York Jets. We know Jacoby Brissett ain't great. If you saw that game, it's run. And I think they're going to, with the confidence now, be able to lead on Katie York now owned in only 14% of Yahoo leagues and one of the cheaper kickers when it comes to your Sunday slate in DraftKings as well. So Katie York would be my top pickup when it comes to a kicker if you're in trouble. And it's one of those things where after the week that was in week one in the NFL, Andy, you might be looking for a kicker. It doesn't happen all that often, but with all the madness we saw across the league, uh, it happened in Atlanta, definitely happened a few times between Cincinnati and the Steelers. Colts waved Rodrigo Blankenship. It's a legitimate thing that, you know, I know a lot of guys don't really move on from their kickers too much during the season, but after what we've seen with kickers in week one, this might be a good chance to pick up somebody early. Absolutely. And again, I think Cade York is the top guy. Greg jo- uh, Joseph has done fine in Minnesota. He was terrible with the Browns. I got to see him at training camp and actually met him briefly, Logan. Man, I'll tell you this. Quick, <laughs> quick story. They gave us in 2019 at the, the Browns training camp down for Browns backers. They gave us, uh, you know, little uh, uh, autograph sheets and football. When Greg Joseph came, I'm like, this guy's not going to be on the team. I just like took a step back in the line. I'm like, nah. Uh, I'm good. Don't don't need the autograph, uh, Gregory, on the ball. Turned out I was right. Uh, <laughs> you can get. I'm like, ah, that's okay. They're like, you don't want the autograph. Like, no, that's all right. I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. That's you know, Boswell's right. there too. Crosby, you, you got options. I think the best one though for this week, if he's if he's there, it looks like he is in a lot. Is Kate York. Uh, let's talk about the running back situation. Obviously, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. for most teams uh, by now, waiver wires have gone through, but. Uh, the 49ers, probably the most intriguing one that uh, Elijah Mitchell is now expected to miss eight weeks with that MCL sprain. What do you make of that running back situation in San Fran? Boy, and we have to consider as well another big name, Alvin Kamara, questionable. Yes. He's going to play with that rib injury. So we got two right now. So hopefully you were able to address it in uh, the waiver wire situation. I'm guessing most people took Jeff Wilson Jr. I know in two of my leagues I did as well. I was advising on... On Twitter at AndyMC81, my in my waiver wire time uh, video piece that don't break, the, don't go Elijah Mitchell like we did last year. Remember, people were spending like ninety-eight dollars of their fab on Elijah Mitchell. Uh, don't do that for Jeff Wilson. Hopefully, you didn't. I got him for I think twenty-five in one league, twenty-nine for another, and I thought, ah, you know what? We'll we'll see. There's still a big risk in San Francisco because Trey Lance can run. We saw Debo Samuel in a true hybrid role last year. He can go. They got a couple rookies floating around. So it looks like Jeff Wilson should get the carry, should get the opportunities. But we've seen Kyle Shanahan hose this before, right? So that's yeah. why I was advising, like, if you didn't get him, okay, relax. Another guy, and it might not be for this week, Logan. It might not be for this week. Jalen Warren out of Pittsburgh. Follow the injury trail, folks, okay, with Najee Harris. The almost kind of sort of Liz Frank injury that was like partially, I don't, I don't know how that works, but that was in the off season. And okay. Then he came back. Then he went down. Now he's supposed to be okay. This is reeking of either. He's going to have to miss some time, not get a full workload. So I picked up Jalen Warren as a bit of a safety. net, still available in 99% of Yahoo leagues people. So if you have a guy and you know, you do on your bench, you're not going to play. You know, you draft him at the end. You thought, like, make the tough decision. St- I love stacking running backs when I can as far as just getting those, those handcuffs that aren't just uh, long shot ones, but there's, there's a path to And Jalen Warren, that path could come as soon as this week. Who knows?
Just a couple more, uh, you know, generic fantasy questions around the uh, NFL before we hit Ask Andy. Uh, reminder to get your questions in at 960-960, the fan feedback line already filling up. So if you don't have your question in, get it in now so that we have time to get to it when we start Ask Andy in just a couple moments here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, let's talk about this situation with the Dallas Cowboys. They looked absolutely oh putrid on Sunday Night Football. Now, good news is the Bucks' defense is a very formidable opponent, but you've now lost Dak for six to eight weeks, and he didn't look great in that offense, period, wow. when he was healthy, Andy. What does this do for CeeDee Lamb? What does this do for Dalton Schultz? And for some people I've seen asking on the text line already, what does this do for Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, it's, it's not good all around. It's, it's a, a bad thing. Love or hate Dak, think of what you, you like about him. Uh, he's better than Cooper Rush. Okay, so now we immediately go to Cooper Rush. What are we expecting out of it? Well, if for things to go well with Dallas, you want to be able to slow the game down, eat up the clock, put him in a game manager role, not put him in situations where he has to go out and win you a ball game. So what does that typically mean? Well, if you had a – the offensive line is banged up in Dallas. I still think it's, it's serviceable, but it has been banged up. You're going to have to lean on Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard more. So I actually think Zeke Elliott and Pollard's stock rise in this scenario. CeeDee Lamb down, Dalton Schultz down. Now that being said, especially for Dalton Schultz, if you're looking on the waiver wire, and I have Dalton Schultz in a couple of leagues, Logan, so I have been looking on the waiver wire, it's not great. (laughs) There's not a lot of options. So you might just be uh, smart enough to hold on to Dalton Schultz and see how this looks with Cooper Rush because he's going to need that safety net guy. Dalton Schultz can be that. Um, CeeDee Lamb can. Like, he's, he's so talented. You can line him up in a whole bunch of different places. But we have to expect just the passing volume and creativity of that Cowboys offense to be limited. So, yeah, I think you still roll with, uh, with Elliott. And uh, you know, maybe you, you think about putting Pollard in a flex spot. All right, this is your absolute last warning. I got one more for Andy before we go to your questions uh, ahead of week two of the NFL season. Uh, we'll go and uh, get into your questions in just a moment here. But as I mentioned, Andy, this Thursday nighter between the Chargers and the Chiefs is really going to be a good one. You've got two of the best in the league when it comes to Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Going to be a great matchup. Uh, but you've got some interesting DraftKings plays ahead of what should be a good opener to Week 2 in the NFL. Yeah, so at DraftKings, when it comes to, especially for like the Thursday night, the single games, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, you have what's called the showdown or, or the, the captain play on DraftKings. So that's the head-to-head. And what you do is you pick one player as your captain, and they get one and a half times the fantasy points. But it also costs you one and a half times the salary in that $50,000 salary cap. So you might think, okay, well, I'll go put Pat Mahomes in. Well, I'm looking right here. Pat Mahomes in your captain spot, $23,600, Justin Herbert, twenty two four. So you have to think, okay, where else? Am I going to go? Maybe a, a, a Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even though it's that committee in Kansas City that I don't like at 17-2. Uh, with Keenan Allen out, the guys you want to be looking for, and I'm personally in my DraftKings contest, I'm going to put Josh Palmer in that spot because he's 10,000. Josh Palmer is an excellent can Canada's own to replace him. Now, DeAndre Carter, concerning and kind of out of nowhere because he got a touchdown last week, three to four targets. So uh, Palmer built up the trust with Herbert last, late last year. Uh, Carter did it last week. Mike Williams, as I advised, is too much of a roller coaster. Guy had two catches last week 
And next week he could go for 200 yards. Way too inconsistent. I think you go Josh Palmer as one of the top plays right there. Stay away from the kicker uh, in Kansas City. You don't have to in the, the, the drafting uh, plays because you can do all flex, whatever. But if it's cheaper, go with a, a Palmer. And um, then maybe look to, if, if you want to take a little bit of a gamble, maybe a Sky Moore, the rookie, had one catch for 30 yards. Uh, okay, maybe goes longer, right? Maybe a little McKinnon as far as for uh, PPR. So there are a lot of options there. All right, uh, it's time. Uh, we've got a full list of questions on the fan feedback line. You can still throw them in there at 960-960. If you have a specific question for uh, Andy McNamara ahead of week two of fantasy football, kicking off with the Chiefs and the Chargers tomorrow night on Thursday night football. And uh, look, with us doing Ask Andy on a regular basis again, uh, this is on me. I had forgotten about this. We did this last season, and I, I should have had it ready ahead of week one, but the man himself reminded me. It's the perfect way to kick this off. Aaron, you've got the splitter ready. Let's hit it. You've got fantasy questions. He has fantasy answers. Helping you week by week in the leagues you love. It's time for Ask Andy on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Oh, I love it, Andy. Let's get to it. Here we go. Uh, Ask Andy here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's get it going. Uh, Andy, I need a bounce back. Lost by .5 in week one. I need a flex spot. Mooney, Bateman, Burks, or Hall, this, uh, this texter in a PPR league? Oh, that's, it's so tough when you lose that quick one, right? You know what? Any of the Chicago Bears, it's so tough because the weather was so terrible, right? So you didn't get to really get any uh, real information out of Chicago or San Francisco last week. Um, I personally, out of that group, it's a tough group, but I think I would go with Mooney out of Chicago. Uh, against Green Bay, the weather's supposed to not be the slop fest that it was. So out of that group, I would go Mooney. <laughs> that was so ridiculous, by the way, in Chicago. I'm sure you saw the pictures. The sideline is wobbly. They're playing in a monsoon. I'm like, this is just, what about player safety are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right, it's, it's September. It was such a weird day. But it, it is really frustrating for fantasy owners because usually week one, you know, you get a little bit of a taste. You can get absolutely nothing from either team. In that you can't tell if Trey Lance is accurate or not. You can't tell if Justin Fields got better or not. You can't tell anything from that game last week. All right, Dandy. Uh, this texter has two spots open: a flex and a wide receiver spot. Full point PPR. Going with Boyd, Duvernay, Lazard, or Ramondre Stevenson. I like Boyd. Track Higgins though. T. Higgins is the key to this question when it comes to to um, Cincinnati. Now he is still listed as questionable, still in concussion protocol. Um, and still unknown. So if he is out, then I'm going with Boyd. And I, you know what? Against Dallas, uh, I might be going with Boyd anyway out of that group. It, it, the other options are they're in the offense, but they're too inconsistent. I at least know Boyd has a place. And that's what we want to do, right? Where is the pecking order? It might not be the highest pecking order. It's third on the pecking order in the receiver set. But remember, folks, Cincinnati throws the ball a ton. They love it. They need to do it. Zach Taylor, the head coach, improved offensive line. It's going to happen. So I, out of that group, give me Boyd, but especially Boyd if Higgins does not play. Uh, half PPR, who should I flex? Lamb, Naeem Hines, or Jamal Williams in Detroit? You know what? I had this situation in a couple of my leagues here. Um, wondering what to do about Jamal Williams because I really liked what I saw. But it's the Lions, is it sustainable? That's, you know, that's a big word. It, mm-hmm. Can that be kept? Now you have Washington. Uh, normally the easy answer is C.D. Lamb, 
but now it's Cooper Rush. Yeah. We don't know what the heck to expect. And like I said before, I expect uh, Zeke and Pollard to benefit more from it. So I'm going to say you go with Jamal Williams in that flex spot. We've seen he can catch, he can run a bit. He has a, again, we talk about clear role. He has a clear role in that offense. And he went for 16 fantasy points in PPR last week. So uh, now that was with two touchdowns. So let's not get too carried away. But even with no touchdowns, I still think he can sort of hit that double digit fantasy point. And really for a flex, if you're getting 10 points or more, you're doing fine. Uh, Andy, this texter asking about Allen Robinson after a dismal performance uh, to start oh. off his Rams tenure. Would you feel comfortable starting him this week or benching him? I'd feel comfortable starting him this week. Uh, the leash is shortening on him and, boy, Matthew Stafford. Like, that was just a total dog against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo came in, punched him right in the face. Now, Buffalo is a Super Bowl contending team. Buffalo is a great defense, tremendous offense, and it was a disaster. You're playing Atlanta. It's at home. Falcons are kind of the polar opposite of that. So if there's ever a get-right game, and let's make ourselves feel better game for the Rams, I think this is it. And I've personally stayed away from Allen Robinson in my draft. I'm just not a believer in him. I, I don't, you know, bad quarterbacks, but I, I just don't feel the consistency is there. I want to see what he can do. I think if there's ever going to be a game to use Allen Robinson and roll the dice, it's this game against Atlanta. I uh, think that leads me to uh, this next question pretty well. This text are curious. Uh, who would you start after last week's results, Tua or Stafford? I think you got to go Tua, man. Like, the thing is with, with Stafford, like we said before in the, uh, in the preseason, it was, all right, Matthew Stafford doesn't move. Right? He's your old school classic guy. So if he's, if, if he's not throwing 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, you're not having a great fantasy day. Well, there were a lot of picks, and he looked just all out of sorts. Again, I think this is a great bounce-back game. Now, you look at Tua against Baltimore. It's risky. So, it depends where you want to go with this. Um, if I'm looking at it, I would say the probably the safer play is Tua even against that tough Baltimore defense. But, with that being said, if you are feeling, if you are, are feeling a little bit, you know, risky and, and you can go for it atlanta like atlanta is the most get right game maybe on the schedule this week so i wouldn't blame you if you went with stafford but he looks so bad i might lean to it uh this text is trying to fill a flex spot in a full ppr league Brees hall drake london damon pierce or james robinson oh you know what let's limit it to london and robinson um but i still hope damian pierce uh, what was it the <laughs> Who's the Houston coach? Lovey Smith, is it? Yeah. So he said he said in the press conference because people are like, "Why didn't you use him for?" He said, "Look, uh, he said I'm a half glass half full guy. Uh, I think he's going to be fresher this week." It's like Lovey, don't need stand up comedy, buddy. Okay, <laughs> we need Damian Pierce to touch the ball a lot. We don't Rex Burkhead. Can Rex Burke oh. Burkhead get out of our fantasy lives and take Taysom Hill with you, please? Please, Logan. Like, every time, every time you think Rex Burkhead, you're like, "No way." That guy got the most carries. Insane. Insane. So until that gets sorted in Houston, uh, I'm not, not interested. Now, Drake, Drake London. Um, so we got the Falcons, like we said. They're in L.A. That L.A. defense is still good. Really liked what I saw. What we wanted to see out of that first week of Mariota and company in there and, and with the Falcons, how that worked. Who's getting the touches? Who's getting the targets? New quarterback. Drake London got seven targets, five catches. Okay? 74 yards. I liked it. Um, and was the last one, who was it, Hall? Was it Brees Hall? 
Yeah, Brees Hall, Drake London, Damon Pierce, James yeah. Robinson. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with London. I think that one might be forced into a shootout. That Browns defense was real good last week, and the Jets um, are are not good as we know. And I think my Browns are ready to feast. That defense is uh, is red hot. So I think you go Drake London. Uh, you'll be excited to know we have a couple of Taysom Hill questions before we're done here as well. Oh, That'll God. be perfect. Uh, this uh, this texter uh, frustrated with the Cowboys situation as a lot of people are just kind of uh, playing off of that. Uh, you know, got Zeke in the lineup. Is, is there still good value there? He's got Barkley and Harris for running backs. That's about it. Doesn't like what uh, they have on the bench. Could move Woods or Palmer into a flex over Zeke. What would you think about that? Ooh. You know what? Uh, I like the gutsiness of the Palmer play. I would not do it. I would not do it. I think that Cooper Rush is, again, just like we talked about the Rams having a dud, that was just a train wreck for Dallas. This is a better team than that. It's a better team than what we saw, uh, even with Cooper Rush in it. And they're going to have to lean. They are going to want to manage that game, keep, get the ball out of Cooper Rush's hands as fast as possible. Well, what's the fastest way to do that? Throw it to your running backs. So I, I would go, I would still stick with Zeke Elliott in that in your starting lineup this week okay let's go uh, a little bit quicker here to to try to get some of these questions in before we end things off uh with andy mcnamara uh i will get into the uh the Taysom hill conversation let's get to that one before we go uh to rapid fire andy because i got a couple of people wondering is he worth flexing is he a top 10 tight end option this year what are your thoughts on Taysom hill no no and you know what it's because i hate Taysom hill when it comes to fantasy i'm sure he's a nice guy in real life i'm sure he is but i can't stand him I, I just can't. It's a, it, it just takes away from the whole fantasy and puts a sour team uh, flavor in my mouth. I can't even speak. I'm so mad at Taysom Hill. Uh, so what is he looking at? Is he going to steal passes from Jameis Winston? Are you going to keep him at quarterback? No, he's not going to pass. He's, he's going to run. Gonna, but where do you work in all those weapons? Jarvis Landry had a great game. You have Michael Thomas back, Alvin Kamara. Taysom Hill is just a roller coaster. 15.3 fantasy points last week. What's he going to do this week? Is it going to be four fantasy points? Next week, it could be 20. Too inconsistent. I would err on the side of just trying to find a more consistent guy unless you are desperate. Okay, let's go through some of these uh, more rapid-fire ones, a couple of the easier ones to just jump in, people looking for some lineup advice. We'll start with this one. Uh, Gibson or Dylan at running back, Andy? Gibson. Look great. Go, Gibson. Uh, Cody wants to know Pitts or Knox at tight end. Mm, you know what? Didn't didn't necessarily like Knox's involvement. I, I'd stick with Kyle Pitts. Andy, give me two of these three running backs to start: Elliott, Patterson, Wilson Jr. Um, you know what? Go. Ooh, okay, so we're going. We're going to go with Elliott. Uh, and who was it? Patterson and Wilson Jr. Yes. Ah, boy, I'm going to bite on on Cordero Patterson. He helped me last year off the waiver. I, I don't think it's going to last. I don't. But I think Patterson was so good last week. You got to have to go back to that well a bit to go Elliott and Patterson. Uh, another, uh, give me two out of these three: Thielen, Deontay Johnson, or Chase Edmonds. Mm, take Edmonds out. Go with the other two. Uh, Jeremy, curious about what two running backs he should start this week: Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, James Robinson. And we're picking what one? Two. Oh, two. Okay. Uh, Aaron Jones and Robinson. Until Etienne shows he's coming back, uh, I like what I saw out of Robinson. Aaron Jones, again, uh, like the other two, that Green Bay game was so bad. Uh, like they're, they're too talented to, to put up a, a stinker like that again. Superflex League, uh, this texter has lost Dak. There's only leftover quarterbacks. Uh, Brissett, Mills, Rush, Flacco, or Mariota? 
Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Barf, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So who do we got? We got Brissett, Mills, Rush, Flacco, Mariota. Yeah, you know what? I think Davis Mills. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of suddenly growing on me a little bit. You know, Mariota. He, he did have. I'll give him credit. He did have a good game. He didn't throw for a touchdown, but against the Rams, eh, I think we go Davis Mills. Uh, half PPR got Gino before Dak went down. So have Matt Ryan and Smith now for quarterback thoughts going forward. So he's got Gino Smith and Matt Ryan. Yes, man. Like Gino Smith. Good on you, buddy. Good on you. What, what, what his line afterwards, uh, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back though. Something like that. <laughs> it's a good line. Cool. Very cool line. I think it's from, a, from a song, but very cool. Gino. <laughs> Come on, man. It's still Geno Smith. Let's let's not get ridiculous. Let's not get ridiculous. Go with Matt Ryan. All right, just a couple more here for uh, Andy McNamara before we run out of time on, on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Dobbins or Akers in my flex standard scoring? Oh, boy. That's a tough there one. Is, like, there are, are few options that I would even consider uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, this may be one of them. <laughs> However, um, he is practicing in full this week. I'm just looking at the injury report. Has been the knee issue. I still think you have to go with Cam Akers. I know. I know. It was, it was a disaster. I traded for Cam Akers before, uh, before that game, uh, and it was disgusting. But J.K. Dobbins, who are you competing with? You're competing with everybody, including the quarterback, at least with the Rams. You know Matt Stafford isn't running it. So it's either going to be Darrell Henderson, who still doesn't run away with the job, and Cam Akers, who we hope can work his way back in. I think you go with Akers. Two left uh, for you here, Andy. This is an interesting one. I'm curious to what you're going to come out with this one. Uh, Dalton Schultz or Albert O at tight end? Oh, boy. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, it was interesting with, um, with Denver to see how Russell Wilson was going to distribute the ball. I still think you go Dalton Schultz. I do. And the reason is um, there was a lot. Of, you had that Beck guy who was floating around. You had Judy. You had uh, uh, Sutton a little bit as well uh, for Denver. So, I'm not against Albert O, but in this situation, I would still stick with Dalton Schultz. Again, Cooper Rush is going to have to throw the ball to somebody. Dalton Schultz, that nice, safe, big chain mover guy, might be the guy for him. So I think you go Schultz this week. Last one for you. PPR, Hunt or Christian Kirk in my flex spot? Ooh, you know what? Give me, give me Kareem Hunt. Give me Kareem Hunt, man. That guy was a just on fire last week, even if he doesn't get two touchdowns. Uh, especially if it's PPR, he's catching, he's running, he's mixing and matching him and Chubb. And with Jacoby Brissett, you're going to want to have that the ball in their hands more often than not. Kevin Stefanski said this week they're going to look to have them involved even more than last week, and they already did a lot. So go with Kareem Hunt. All right, that's going to do it for uh, Ask Andy today. That's literally all the time that we can fit in this segment. Uh, there are so many more texts at the on the fan feedback line at 960-960. We just literally... Uh, could do this for an hour with Andy and probably still not reach all the texters uh, that text in. But the good news for you listening, if you do still have fantasy football questions that you're hoping to get answered, uh, Andy McNamara is kind enough. If you go to him on Twitter, maybe even throw a Browns gif his way or go Browns, he might Ooh. even look to your question a little bit more, but he will help you answer those sure. questions on Twitter. So at AndyMC81, you can go there ahead of tomorrow. Of course, make sure to get your lineups in ahead of tomorrow night's game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. But if you have questions, and I'm sorry, there's a lot of them on the feed, fan feedback line we didn't get to, go to Twitter, go to at AndyMC81, and Andy can uh, can go through them there and hopefully give you some advice before week two starts. That was uh, great as always, Andy. I'm glad we got the intro back. I'm excited to keep doing yeah. this with you every week. 
<laughs> I appreciate the intro. It's lots of fun. Guys, too, if you want some unique fantasy football, check out uffsports.com slash UFAFL. But, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, hashtag AskAndy, and we'll, we'll get those questions in. Get you some weeks one in this week, two coming up. Appreciate it, Andy. Take care, pal. All right, buddy. Talk to you. Talk to you later. There you go. Andy McNamara, our fantasy football guru here on Sportsnet 960. The fan coming at you down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. We're running a little bit over time, but I tried to get as much questions in as I can for you guys on the fan feedback line. Uh, Sportsnet today is going to wrap things up around the corner. Pat Steinberg takes over. Flames talk the next two hours ahead of Blue Jays baseball. That's coming up next. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.